It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 297 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me this week again for uh, his... uh, Ever so often we have uh, our guy on, Freak Bass. He's doing a his annual Funksgiving show in Cincinnati. Friday the 29th, Southgate House Revival. We'll talk a little more about that later. But more to the point, huge Reds fan. Does the theme music for our podcast. Welcome back. Oh, so good to be back with you. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, thank you so much for having me on. Of course, I listen to you every week and uh, read you all the time on Twitter, and uh, it's just it's uh, it's always an honor to be on here and uh, love what you guys are doing at Red Leg Nation. So I appreciate it. Oh, we love having you on, and it's always good conversation because it's a lot of music talk uh, with you. But uh, I know that uh, we enjoy talking about the Reds, and also you like to educate me on maybe the comic book movie universe. And I so... was going to say, I thought this was a Joker sound <laughs> podcast tonight. What are we doing here? I yeah. forgot. I forgot to mention to you before we went on the air, but I did have a note here that I wanted to talk to you about that Joker movie because I know we have some uh, some thoughts. So yes, let's talk about the Reds first. Of course, some news uh, sure. this week. Uh, all of us had been really excited for the free agency period to begin because the Reds are uh, rumored to be uh, attempting to be very active. And today, the Cincinnati Reds were not able to get it done with catcher Yasmani Grandal, who signed a four-year, $73 million deal with the Chicago White Sox. And, of course, you know, everybody starts freaking out because the Reds couldn't get their guy. Uh, and, and I agree. I think that Grandal was the Reds' number one target this offseason for a reason. Great catcher, yeah. Um, probably the best available catcher, and well, certainly the best available free agent catcher. Um, and I do have, uh, you know, I do have some information that the Reds really did make a. They tried to go pretty hard after Grandall, but were unable to get it done. How disappointed are you that uh, the Reds were unable to to make that happen? Yeah, it was a shot in the heart. Like as I as I mentioned when we started uh, on the show, you know how I read you a lot, and I was just flipping through my Twitter feed about whatever three or four o'clock this afternoon, whatever time it was, the news broke, and um, you know saw the big press release that you retweeted from the Chicago White Sox uh, about that. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I I was I wouldn't say I thought that was a give me thing. You know, I mean nothing's give me in baseball anymore, but. Um, I, I don't know. I thought I thought there might be. A, I was. I thought there'd at least be a little more drama leading up to who he ended up signing with, whether he did sign up with the Reds or not. I was just surprised. It was just kind of like, whoa! It just kind of. Right. It felt like it. It felt like it just kind of came out of nowhere, and like there, you know, with that kind of long-term deal, you would think that there were some talks in the works for a little bit at least. So. Um, yeah, it's it's a shame. Um, you know, it's still very early, obviously, in the off season. So. Um, but um, yeah, and just the idea of him coming back to the team that he started with, there was a there's some like nice little uh, poetic justice to that, at least in my mind. So, um, but you know, it is what it is. So uh, I guess they got to uh, time 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 to move on, you know, to the next next prospect or whatever that may be. I think I agree with you uh, in that in a couple of ways. Uh, number one, I thought that if the Reds were really going to get a free agent, uh, an impact free agent this year, I thought Yasmani Grandal was absolutely the uh, the, the most likely chip to fall in yeah. that scenario, and uh, he, he made so, because he made so much sense uh, for the Reds. They, you know, to upgrade a catcher would be uh, he's the best available player, maybe the best available free agent not named uh, Anthony Rendon. You, we could probably argue about that, but uh, and so I, yeah, I, I, for some reason I had in my mind, and, and because I had been hearing that the Reds were really active in trying to uh, acquire him, so I was kind of kind of feeling like they might get uh, be able to get him um and, and and you know the thing about it is that it takes uh two to tango as they say you know the reds could have made a really good uh, offer 
and uh, just couldn't get it done. I mean, you know, Grandall could have preferred the American League for many reasons. <laughs> could have preferred the White Sox for many reasons. Maybe he just liked Chicago better than Cincinnati. Maybe he likes the idea that he could play a designated hitter. It's not necessarily sure. the Reds. I don't want to – everyone – not everyone, but a lot of people tend to, you know, sort of slag the Reds' front office when they're unable to do one of these, uh, make one of these deals. And I'm pretty up, up not upset, but uh, I'm frustrated that the Reds weren't able to get this done again. But I don't know that it's necessarily because they weren't really in the mix. I think I think they probably were. It's just, what are you going to do? You, you can't make Grundahl go where he doesn't want to go, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting now. Obviously, you know, Grendel was the number one guy that everybody was talking about. Now it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the, at least in my mind, the person you think of next is another, obviously, alumni from our farm system is Didi Gregorius, is where he's going to end up going, you know, hopefully here. Um, it seems like, at least from my mind, it seems like a really good fit. But um, I'm wondering how, you know, far that that those talks are along, whether it be here or someone else, too, is right now. It's it's interesting that this this stuff is happening all before the winter meetings, too, as well. So um, people are seem to be moving fast in this off season so far. Yeah, that's something else you said that I really agreed with, which is that, you know, I did not expect Grandal to be the first chip to fall in the free agency game. This yeah, year. I thought we'd have a little bit more time to, to discuss and analyze it. But he really, uh, you know, he, he got, they got it done quickly. And so I, that you wonder if that caught the Reds off guard a little bit. I can't imagine that it did because they have identified him. Yeah. So so now what do they do? That do they uh, does it create more urgency to go after Didi Gregorius or you know someone else? I mean they're going to have to they're going to have to upgrade somewhere. There aren't that many free agent catchers uh, available um, still out there that would really be an impact. Uh, so you got shortstop, you got second base if you can. You have uh, you know. Anywhere in the outfield, really, you could you could try to upgrade. So, but the, the, the available free agent outfielders um, and free agent uh, middle infielders are, are pretty slim pickings this year. Didi Gregorius, I, to me, it, it feels like the Reds will have to sort of double down their efforts. I think he's probably their next big target, and uh, and again, it'll be interesting to see how much urgency the urgency they have to get something done, given the fact they have this kind of sort of high profile failure, quote unquote. Um, sure. With Grendel. Yeah. Well, and then with, you know, not that this dictates anything, but, it, you know, it seems like they not always, but it's always with Reds Fest just around the corner, like having a little kind of splash, you know, press item to, to go in there with, you know, i.e. Uh, Didi Gregorius or, you know, what we were hoping was would have been a Grandal. It'd be something that you think that they can, they would like to, uh, that'd be a nice thing to kind of unveil, you know, what is that next or a couple weekends away from now, if, if, it, could, if it can happen. Yeah, yeah, you were probably we're ten days away, less than ten days at this point. You're right; that's a good point. Wouldn't it be fun to to introduce Didi Gregorius or whoever, but uh, introduce them at that Reds Fest? So, um, I don't know. I guess we move on, but uh, it's just really kind of a. Uh... So, chatted that you know, and and if I'm naive on this, I apologize. Obviously, we know Tucker's going to be here regardless. But uh, did they did the Reds re-sign Kirk Casale too as well? I wasn't sure about that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to check. I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, he's still uh, under Red's team control. I think he's, is he, I believe he's arbitration eligible. Um, right. So I'm going to, I'm going to look that up right here while we're talking, but, uh, okay. and that is, that's a, a question, which is what if the Reds are unable to acquire any other catchers this year? Do they go with, uh, with Barnhart and uh, yeah, Kirk Sally still arbitration eligible. So he's still under team control. Um, okay. So, you know, they could go back into the season with Barnhart and Casali, who are, who are not, you know, we keep talking about upgrading catcher. That's not the worst tandem. No, no, not at all. And when they were both, you know, both healthy, that, that, that rotation, especially that little peak run they ran, I guess it was like, what, like maybe late, like kind of mid-May of last year, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, they, that was a nice little run between the two of them, the way that, he, that, that they had a little kind of nice thing happening there for, for a few weeks there before. Was, I think Casale was the first one that got injured, if I, if I remember right. But, um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, top of the line, but it's definitely something that's, you know, workable. If, if and of course the big if, if they upgrade to make up for it in other places, obviously. Right, yeah, you have to upgrade elsewhere, and, and that's the only way it makes much sense to go with those two. Frankly, if the Reds are unable to acquire any other catchers, Sign me up for having uh, Tyler Stevenson up uh, this year. The Reds, uh, you know, one of their top prospects, former first-round draft pick who had a, a dynamite year in Double A this year, killed the ball in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, you know, he's very close to being ready. I know catchers come along a little slower, but uh, if if it's me, 
I start thinking about uh, Tyler Stevenson, who uh, you know hit three. Let's see, he hit uh, 285 in Chattanooga, 353 in the Arizona Fall League. He's just a uh, he's he's oh, he's almost ready. And if the Reds are unable to uh, really upgrade. You know, I don't know that I don't just give him a chance and see if he can play his way into a job. Let him, uh, you know, split time with Tucker Barnhart for a little while, and uh, and you still have Casali if, uh, you know, as a, as a backup option with the Reds' injury problems last year, they needed about seven or eight catchers. So, yeah, yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah, last year especially. Yeah. So anyway, uh, w- the Reds are kind of on the clock now, right? And, yeah, it feels that way, and and um, you know, it's exciting and and scary too as well because it, you know we kind of all expect that every, all the chips are going to be at least, or at least a lot of the chips are going to be cashed for this season. It feels, the timing feels right in a, a lot of ways, uh, especially with as strong as the pitch, or at least the starting pitching has been overall. So, um, you know, let, let's, uh, you know, here we go. We're, 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 we're on. Yeah. You know, uh, as, as Reds fans, it's a, it's been a frustrating run that they've been on, and and the statements made by Reds management and and, and all the, the kind of feeling you get it from reports around the league are that the Reds are going to be very active. The, the, Dick Williams, uh, Reds uh, president of baseball operations, said as much. We're the playoffs is where we're hoping for. We we got to get good enough to be, be in the playoffs, and so this first uh, they take this first hit in the off season, and all of a sudden the initial reaction is to feel like uh, here we go again. The Reds are not going to be able to get it done, but. I don't think we need to. I, I want to encourage people not to feel that way because we don't. We can't say that the Reds didn't get Yasmany Grandal because they didn't try to get him, and uh, you know, and there's still plenty of chips. There's still plenty of ways they can uh, they can upgrade. So, um, so let's uh, let's remain hopeful. I think I think there's plenty of reason to remain hopeful. Uh, but I want to ask you something because it's something I saw a lot on Twitter, and I did comment on it, and I just want to briefly talk about it, get your thoughts on it. What what is Twitter? Can you explain oh, this to me? It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst website on earth. That's the way I would describe it. But yeah, got it. <laughs> um, right. You know, in when the Reds weren't able to get Grandal, a bunch of people came out and said, "Ah, oh, four years, seventy three million. That's way too much money. I wouldn't pay that." To which my response is, "If you want good players, you have to pay for them. Four years and uh, seventy three million was the market rate." for Yasmin yeah. Grandal. Now, I'm not saying the Reds didn't get him because they weren't willing to pay. I, I don't know if that's the case at all, and, and I'm not willing to say that. But what is this desire that so many Reds fans seem to have for every player the Reds don't get? Oh, that's too much money. The Reds can't spend that much money. Why is that still a thing? I think it's, you know, and I think, I you know, and I hear you talk about that a lot in the show. And, um, you know, I guess my question back to you, I wonder if this happens. I don't know if you, you know, happen to go around and check out some other teams' podcasts or broadcasts or, or talk radio, but I wonder in other markets, not not like New York or L.A., but like, you know, Pittsburgh or, you know, even Atlanta, which well, I guess Atlanta's a pretty big city now, but, you know, uh, like do they, do they have these same conversations about their players and, and money and stuff like that? Or is it a specifically a Midwest Cincinnati thing? I mean, I think that's probably a part of it. The yeah. Cincinnati aspect of it, just growing up here, you know, this is kind of the way we very working class town, you know, we're both grow, grow up here. So I'm, I'm assuming you grew up here your whole life too, right, Chad? In the, in the vicinity. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. yeah. So, you know, Cincinnati's, you know, kind of got that thing about it, but uh, yeah, it is a, it is a weird thing. You know, it, it is like, why are we worried about like that kind of thing too, as well. And, and um, you know, the, the baseball, no matter what team, I don't think anybody's really hurting for money overall. It doesn't seem that way, you know? No. So um, right. um, I know I always keep hearing, you know, you hear the, the do, doom and gloom stories about the demise of baseball, but then the contracts keep getting more. So it's like, that just doesn't add up. So um, yeah, I mean, hopefully that that's something. And I, and it feels like this, this new front office, I, I feel pretty, I mean, last year, if you would have told me you know what three or four months before the season started that they would have made some of the moves they even made for last year right. i would have been really really like i've been like, no no way and and so i think they're really going to try to do some stuff but you, you're right the problem is is that the uh the pickings aren't quite as um as as healthy as they were last year so you know we'll see see what they what they do i mean who knows they may you know surprise us all and go go make a huge splash which would be awesome if that happens yeah yeah you never know i mean they're, they're going to be trying to try to be active on the trade market i think yeah probably some of it is is cincinnati just we've been beaten down for for you know three decades essentially in every sport and uh you know so it it's fans sort of have that perspective i guess and of the the perennial losers but 
And also for, you know, the better part of three decades, Red's management has tried really hard to convince the buying public that they're poor, that they can't afford to compete. And my, my thoughts are just, look, again, I want to make sure I, I say that I'm not saying the Reds did not try to make an offer. I have reason to believe that I can't say exactly what it is, but I have reason to believe that the Reds really did try to make an aggressive offer for you. Sure. Um, sure. So, so I'm not alleging that, but, um, you know, I, I just think that there's this need to believe that the Reds don't have money. And if they can't play on the same playing field as other major league teams, I'm not sure why we as fans should should care about them, uh, you know, because they're telling us they, they can't compete. I don't think that's the case. And so I don't, I don't understand why, why fans continue to say that. Now, with to your point about other podcasts uh, and, and websites, things like that, it's an interesting thought. I always think that question when in the middle of the season, everybody's complaining about whoever the Reds third base coach is. Oh, we've got the worst third base coach in the league. And I think, right, myself, right. I think to myself every time, every team is saying that about their third base coach, you know, because sure. they, they watch them every day. Every team's fan base just watches their third base coach get guys thrown at home. So anyway, I think it's probably, yeah, not just Cincinnati. It's a very good point. Sure, sure, definitely. Yeah, the money, the money issues though about that though. I don't know if that's more that is indicative of, of the area that, you know, that we're from and stuff like that. So, um, but um, but, you know, we still go out, you know, and, and still no matter what, they, everybody comes out still. They, they may be complaining about it a little bit, but they still come out and, you know, support the team overall. And I think, you know, what was it last year we were I mean, there was a there was an uptick last year in terms of attendance, I believe. I think I uh, mm-hmm. heard that from you and some other people, too, as well. And, you know, one thing, too, as well is it's the Reds have, you know, what, what was 2000? Well, when do we have since Chu Chu? Was that what? 2013? 13. Is that right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. They they did put some chips on the table that year. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way we, we all wanted it to. But um, but it's not like they had didn't try that 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 little run that little 2009 2010 to 2014 run. They they tried to really compete pretty hard, and they were you know uh, what out of that those four or five years there in the playoff what three out of the five years in that that time and. Um, so, you know, and again, yes, I know we didn't get past the first round. I was unfortunately at the, those games where, you know, they didn't, we were up, what, two games to zero, needed one, one more to San Francisco and just couldn't pull that third one out. And, um, but they did, you know, baseball's, you know, you always say yourself, it's like, all you got to do is get there and then yeah. anybody can win, as we know. So they did get there, you know, those years. It's unfortunately the cars didn't kind of fall in their favor, you know. Yeah, you you got to get into the tournament to win it. But uh, as the Nationals showed us this year, if you get in in, in the postseason, you can make something happen. So um, now before we move on to the other Reds news of the week, there's something I want to ask you about um, that I was going to do later, but I, you just reminded me, and I, I wanted to do it uh, now. You did the national anthem at a Reds game this year. Oh yeah, that was surreal. It's still surreal, even when you say that you saying those words. It's like I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you so much. It was, you know, I mean, that that was definitely, of course, a bucket list thing. And it was just really just, you know, everybody, everybody that works for the Reds organization, you know, no matter what we talk about, you know, in terms of what they're doing with the the team itself, but just this, the actual organization, the Cincinnati Reds uh, family there, they're just the way they run that show down there is top notch. And, and, and and yeah, I mean, everybody, you know, um, and, uh, it was really something special. My mom, who doesn't get out, she has a little bit more trouble getting around nowadays. We, uh, she even made it down there for awesome. it, which was really it was her first her first time down at Great. I mean, she obviously back in the day used to go to been uh, Synergy and, and Riverfront Stadium, but had never been to Great American Ballpark before. So she made it out for that, and um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty surreal. And oh my gosh, talk about being nervous, you know? Like we've never I've never rehearsed. So Sammy and I, who did did the did the uh, the national anthem with me we've were you know you never rehearse so much for something that lasts about 45 seconds or whatever it is you know because there ain't there's no do-overs you know it's like one shot and that's it so uh yeah but uh yeah but thank you for bringing that up and it was it was really special and i can i can never thank the reds and everybody down there enough for, for letting us uh come down there and do that that day yeah fantastic i was like hey i know that guy 
Yeah. But they let, why <laughs> right. they let him on the field? What's that all about? But, I want to go. The, the, be, the best was when we were leaving. Sammy and I were still kind of in our outfits. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, looking looking a little crazy like like we do. And uh, this lady, uh, it was really nice. She stopped us. We're we're, we're leaving the, the ballpark after the game. It was a killer game too. By the way, that was the game that a uh, Aquino kind of started. We started noticing that guy. Ah, like, well, what, yeah. That was that, that was I think if it wasn't his first home run, it was within the first two or three. Yeah. And um um. And this lady, she's like, I really like the way you guys did it. You did it very respectfully. Like, and so, which was very nice. But I think, you know, when you see someone looking like me, you're like, now what's this guy going to get up here and do you do with this? But, uh, um, you know, it was really nice that, that, that they recognized that too as well. So it was great. That's fantastic. And, and, and something you said is something I've mentioned in print and here on the podcast a few times that I think uh, because we tend to complain about the product that's been on the field the last few years, I don't want people to forget the Reds baseball operations department has been a mess for most of the last uh, you know half century. I think it's in a good shape right now with, with the guys that are running it, but it's been a mess. But every other part of this organization is absolutely first class. You know, oh, it's um, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, they they they're really everything other than just the baseball operations lately, um, has it, just everything about the organization is completely different than it has been for most of my adult life, frankly. And and they just uh, I have a lot of respect for the way they they work at work in the community and the way they just treat people, uh, mostly. So uh, so anyway, and you can tell, and the people that have been there, like you know, I have my radio show on WNKU uh, for a while, and um. Aaron Sharp, who's one of the scoreboard operators, was the GM of WNKU, and he's been, I think, uh, 15, 20 years with the Reds now, and, and he, he couldn't love it more, and um, everybody, when you go down there, as I'm sure you've met, you know, gone down there, you know, up, up in the booth and stuff, everybody's, there's a very happy and positive vibe up there, there's no, like, nobody seems jaded and like, oh, I'm just right. kind of going through the motions with my job, they feel very excited about every just like they almost seem like fans up there like working all the stuff which is really cool to see you know yeah absolutely it, it's something that doesn't really get said enough because we don't see it on the field and, and the on-field right. product is not being good but it's absolutely true so um, the other news this week uh, and, and not a lot of other important news necessarily but the reds did make a trade uh, in the wake of the uh, the reds had to name the players they're protecting that add some guys to the 40-man roster to protect them from the uh, Rule 5 draft. We'll talk about that in a moment. But in, on the eve of that, the Reds traded um, for, with the Tampa Bay Rays. They traded cash and a player to be named later for uh, Jose De Leon, right-handed pitcher for Tampa Bay. He's going to be 27 this year. Uh, he's uh, a former top prospect, I mean like a legit super prospect, and then Tommy John surgery, and the jury's kind of still out on him, and, and the Rays weren't going to protect him. So the Reds saw an opportunity for a guy that they might, might maybe maybe a little bit of a rehab type guy, but that uh, maybe the new pitching uh, staff, uh, the new uh, pitching uh, coordinators can all uh, can all work on. So Jose De Leon, um, really interesting guy. I don't have a whole lot to say about him. I know that uh, you're probably like me; you've not seen him uh, play much other than just what we've read about him. But everything sure. I read makes me think it's a guy, a good guy to take a chance on. Yeah, and they're and Reds have a pretty good, you know, especially over the last couple of years, they have a good, pretty good track record with that kind of picking that kind of stuff out too, as well. So, and you know, you can never have enough pitching too, as well, especially if you're going through a long season, especially if hopefully, knock on wood, we get to the postseason too, as well. So, I think always having more potential arms is always a positive thing, you know, to start off with. Yeah, I mean, you, you get him uh, for uh, cheap basically, and if he doesn't work out well, you're not out much. And if he does, well, then you've you've found a diamond in the rough. The reason I like Jose De Leon, I gotta say, we've been talking about Twitter, and I was just happened to, uh, I, I was looking on there at some responses to my tweets earlier, and I saw that Jose De Leon followed me on Twitter today. Well, there you go. See, you know, so that's, so, so that's a so that's a wrap. That's yeah. my guy right there. Now he's my new favorite. Right. So, if I can just get Freak Base to follow me, it'll be make my life. Uh, we'll, we'll get there someday. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't follow me, believe me. See, 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 the, see the Joker a couple more times and then we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would like to do that. Uh, uh, we talked about the Rule 5 draft. The Reds had to add some guys to the 40-man roster to protect them. The Rule 5 draft, essentially, if you've been in the minor leagues a certain number of years, uh, you got to be added to the 40-man roster or any team can come along and they have a, this draft where they can, can draft you off another team's roster. And the rules, of course, are that you have to, uh, if, you, if you draft someone in the Rule 5 draft, you have to keep them on your Major League roster the entire season. Um, uh, not a whole lot of guys, that doesn't apply to a whole lot of guys. The last impact player the Reds 
kind of acquired in the Rule 5 draft. Actually, the Chicago Cubs acquired Josh Hamilton and then traded him uh, to the Reds afterwards. But he was a Rule 5 guy, and the Reds kept – that was his rookie year when with Cincinnati he had to stay on the roster all year. So this year the Reds uh, added Tyler Stevenson, the catcher I just talked about, Tony Santillon, who did not have a very good year this year but is one of the better pitching prospects in the organization. And then a couple guys that surprised me, Ryan Hendricks, who, uh, you know, sort of a top 15-ish type prospect, but really good numbers. In uh, He made it all the way up to uh, Chattanooga this year, ERA uh, under two each of the last two seasons. And wow. then, and then T.J. Antone, who, uh, frankly, I have very, know very little about him, but looks like a sort of a live arm that throws ground balls, which is important at Great American Ballpark, and the Reds yep. pr- protected him. So I don't know if there's much to say about that, but just I thought we should at least mention it. Um, Tyler Stevenson, can we go back to him? Are you as high on sure. Tyler Stevenson as I am? Yeah, I mean it's it's it looks exciting, you know. Um, and I like the idea you say bringing him up, you know. It's it's uh, well, you know, I'm sure he'll be up for spring training, obviously. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna be uh, invited to camp with the major league team, which is probably the first time he's been in big league camp, so that'll be big. Right, him, right, so, yeah. Um, all right, the last news, uh, sort of news of note to Cincinnati Reds fans this week is the uh, new Hall of Fame ballot came out, and three former Reds are on there. Now, uh, would you vote for all three of these former Reds for the National Baseball Hall of Fame? Scott Rowland, Adam Dunn, and Paul Konerko. Wow, wow. Well, definitely Scott Rowland. I think he's, I don't know if he's a first-rounder, but I would, you know, I think, you know, with what he did, obviously, with especially with St. Louis, and yes. even you know some of the stuff he did in Philly too as well. Um, so uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean I, I would vote for all three of them because I'm a Reds fan. But uh, exactly. you know, but uh, I don't know if I'm the best best judge. Judge, you know, yeah. um, Adam Dunn's the interesting one. I mean, what do you do? You think he's? I don't. I mean, obviously, the, the what do you think? I mean, do you think he's got a uh, shot for the actual the Hall of Fame? I don't. I don't. I think he's probably going to end up being uh, on the uh, Fred McGriff All Stars for most home runs. Uh, without making it he's got 400 plus home runs i mean 462 home runs in his career i mean that's crazy 462 um but he's got that 237 batting average so uh, yeah 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 that's probably gonna keep him out but uh, he's on he's in the hall of very good and and he's in the hall of uh, he's he's a hall of famer in our hearts yeah so there you go um scott Rowland is an interesting case most people i don't know you ask people they think ah scott Rowland, oh you know uh, he, I think he's absolutely a, a Hall of Famer. He, you know, again, maybe not a an inner circle type guy, kind of like you were saying, but uh, sure. But man, people don't realize how good he is. Number one, and then how few third basemen are actually in the Hall of Fame. So amongst third basemen in history, he ranks pretty highly. Uh, and I wrote about this probably five six years ago um, at uh, the Hardball Times. Uh, I just I think he doesn't get enough credit. So I think you're right. I think I would hope he gets more gets at least some. Uh, support this year but uh well know. yeah and those st louis years i mean obviously um um you know there were a lot of other players on that that roster he was on too but i used to like bum out when he used to come up the back because he was he was so clutch all yeah. the time when he was with st louis i mean it was like you, you, every time he was one of those players that you would say, what did he just bat like three batters ago? Cause he just had that thing where he just like, you just used to dread when he would come up for when we would play St. Louis. And uh, just because he was such a threat and obviously a defensive threat just as much too, as well. So yeah, I mean, he seems like the whole package to me. And I mean, I, that year, I thought that was one of the coolest. I remember that, what was that, 2009 when he came over here? And, um, 10, 2010. And, was it 2010? Okay, yeah. yeah. In mid-season, right? It was right, mid-season yeah. 2010. And everybody was like, you know, what are they doing? You know, trading for someone like that. And to me, that was just so, such a – I was so excited when that happened because I, I was a huge fan. I mean, even that I – didn't like to see him bat when we faced him. I just knew he would, what he could bring to the team, and it just seemed like perfect match. And it was great to uh, obviously you saw what he did, especially that first half of what was that first half of that 2011 season. You know, really, it was it was something special. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's he's a guy. They traded uh, Edwin Encarnacion for him, who's one of my favorite players at the time. Uh, that's right, because he was in Toronto. Well, Roland was in Toronto then, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he was. But, and and, and yeah. I was like, no, I, I like Edwin, but. But then again, you think, well, this is a guy. This is a this is a, an all star third baseman who's was on the back end of his career, but still a very good player. And so, sure, um, he certainly helped. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to name the five returning guys that were on the ballot last year, who had the five highest vote totals last year. And I want to I want you to tell me yes or no whether you think any of these guys should be Hall of Famers. So 
Okay. Uh oh. Okay. I'll go in order. The, the highest. Don't 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 at me on Twitter now. After this, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The highest <laughs> returner on the uh, on the ballot from last year. He got sixty one percent of the vote. Essentially, Kurt Schilling. Yes or no? Uh, I'd. Uh, I'm not real crazy about like him as a person, but I I would actually have to say yes. Yeah, I think probably that uh, anyone that's looking at it uh, uh, in terms of his baseball ability probably says that. You know, yeah. Um, but again, it's it's one of those where you're like, uh, you know, even just the baseball stuff, you're like, yeah, I think he's probably a Hall of Famer, but it's not, yeah, it's not slam dunk. Uh, second with fifty nine point five percent of the vote last year, Roger Clemens. Hmm, that's uh, that's even more. <laughs> it gets more controversial for each each one. Yeah, you wait, wait to the next one. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, was it Barry Bonds or something? It is um, Barry Bonds. Fifty nine percent. Oh gosh. Come on. Um, and those guys are yeah. controversial for the same reason, obviously. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, I would say yes as well. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah, it may make you throw faster or heal quicker. And we know what we're talking about, but it's still, there's still so much skill involved with what they did. No matter, I don't care how many, what you're, you know, juicing yourself up with there yeah. too as well. So I would say yes. Yeah. I, I absolutely vote for both of those guys. But of course my position has long been that I think uh, performance enhancing drugs should be mandatory in baseball. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm not sure that's a, a, a good position to take, but uh, that's where I am. Um, and so that's one, two, three. Number four was Larry Walker, fifty-five percent last year. And you got to get seventy-five so percent. So, so three was Bonds. Is that what you're saying, right? Yes, three, three was, Bonds. was Bonds. Well, just I didn't really fully answer, but with him, actually, of, of those those top three, actually, for him, I would feel the strongest that yeah, yeah, a big yes on him. Like no no doubter. I mean, that guy had. I don't care. Yeah, maybe he could hit the ball farther, or he got a couple more extra years out of it. But he was he was a Hall of Famer when he was you know still weighed a buck 25 or whatever it was. Yeah, if he'd, you know? if, so, if yeah. he'd retired before he took his first performance enhancing drug, he's probably a hall of famer. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Larry Walker at 54.6%. Uh, not sure about that one. Yeah. He, he's sort of the hall of guys that when he was playing, I thought he was really good, and, but yeah. I never really felt like he was a hall of famer. But then you look at his stats and you're like, well, no, I, you know, he, he can make the case for him. So yeah, he's, he's, he's sort of an, a tweener there. Yeah. Um, I like him. I probably would vote for him, I think, but, uh, you know, I can be talked out of it as well. The last, sure. the last one I wanted to ask you about Omar Vizquel got 43% last year. Omar Vizquel, Cleveland shortstop. So we were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, Seattle sure, yeah. Well. yeah. What, um, what did, did he play Seattle when the, the talent of his career? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Cause of course I always think of Cleveland oh, like yeah, everybody Cleveland else forever, does. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would think so. Yeah. I like with him, I would think, I mean, he's uh, probably, if you had to probably name at least the top 10 shortstops, probably if you like, you know, uh, lightning round type thing, at least for me in terms of like who I would come to mind, like the best shortstops ever, he would definitely be in the top 10, maybe even a little higher than that. So I would think so. Yeah. I think it depends on how much you value defense. Obviously he was an elite yeah, defender. Sure. Um, yeah. and, uh, and you know, if you look at it, like we're, we're, you know, we're rewarding the greatest players, uh, in the game at whatever they do best, then he's got to be in that conversation. I probably don't vote for him, but that's only because I think Jose Iglesias is the best shortstop ever. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so does, so does most of Cincinnati. So there you go. <laughs> no. Oh, anyway. So there you go. That's, uh, that's the hall of fame discussion. Um, we're going to answer a, a few viewer mail questions. You okay with that? I'm ready. Well, before we do that, I want to, uh, get you to tell me a little bit, uh, and, and tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what you got going on here uh, on November 29th. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we don't, you know, we're, we're on the road quite a bit anymore. And so don't, don't play in Cincinnati a whole lot anymore, usually two or three times a year at the most. And for the last four or five years, we've been having this, um, the day after Thanksgiving, it seems like a lot of people are in town, you know, that, that don't necessarily leave here anymore. So we kind of chose that day, which is, uh, you know, again, so the day after, so we call it Funksgiving and, um, kind of um take our show and kind of you know turn it up a few few notches par- partially because we're playing at home which is always exciting thing get to sleep on our own bed and not at a motel six somewhere in, in uh in montana or something like that and uh but yeah it's going to be a really really special show this year we're really excited we got a lot of really cool things planned out um 
I'm gonna I'm gonna break a little news here right on your show and tell you one of the things that I'm really excited about this year is my 14 year old daughter is gonna come up and perform a song with nice. us on stage. Yeah, yeah, so super excited about that. Um, and um, Sammy Garrett, you know who who I did the national anthem with me. She's touring with me all the time. She's flying in from New York that morning, so she'll be here with us as she is with most of our shows anymore. And um, it should be a really special show. We're hoping we came pretty close to selling it out last year, so we're hoping that you know that that might be the case this year. Southgate's. If you haven't been to Southgate, it's a really cool place to see a show. It's a like a hundred year old church that they turned into a music venue. It's got you know the stained glass windows still, uh, the pipe organs in the back of the room behind the bar, um, and it's a, it's a really neat. There's multiple things going on. To, we're playing in kind of the bigger room there, but there's these kind of side rooms where they have they'll have more like jazz acts and, and more alt rocks acts as well. So it's kind of like an all encompassing kind of building to be in. And yeah, so and it's all ages too as well. So anybody listening whether whether you are a kid or you have kids or whatever the case may be it's uh you know come one come all so that's next friday again uh, november 29th at southgate house which is on sixth street in newport kentucky nice absolutely uh and uh listen nation go out there and and show up and support uh our buddy freak base please do and, and if, you, if you get a chance tell him uh tell him that uh, you, you heard about it here uh but also uh, you know his, his daughter's gonna be there be on your best behavior please Come on. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> she's she's gonna be I'm so I'm more nervous for her than I am even about our show, but she's gonna be great. She's been practicing a lot. We got something pretty cool planned out. We have a lot of other really cool surprises that night too as well. Um, that are going to happen at the show that night too, as well. So it, it, if 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 you do, if you ever want to come catch out a show, this would be the one to be at for sure. Outstanding. Uh, well, that really, I uh, encourage everyone to go. Now let's answer some uh, viewer mail questions. As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. These come from patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you can support the podcast if you wish. Uh, join our community over there. We're having a good time. First question comes from Joe Farsing. Uh, his question are, who are your favorite bassists? Ah, favorite bassists. I bet you've got um, some thoughts on this. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I would say, I'll, tr- I'll try to keep it. I mean, there's a million of them I love out there. <laughs> uh, jo- uh, Jaco Pistorius was the first one I thought of when I saw that question. Um uh, not sure. I'm sure most of your listeners know who he is, but if, if you don't, there's a great, I think it's still on Netflix, but there's an amazing documentary done by Robert Tarullo, who's the bass player from Metallica, did this amazing documentary on Jock Up Stories. He's basically took, to keep it short, he's the one that basically made the electric bass like acceptable in the jazz community it was you know the uh, jazz was more kind of thought of you know if you play jazz you're going to be more of an upright player Jocko took the electric bass literally to a whole nother level it's it's unbelievable story his his and just an unbelievable player every he's almost kind of like the michael like every bass player if you're a bass player it's kind of like the michael jordan thing you go through your i want to be Jocko phase you know when i was probably about 12 or 13 years old i thought i was going to be the next Jocko for a while so everybody does that so um Jocko, and then of course bootsy right here from cincinnati ohio too as well um paul mccartney who is very underestimated as a bass player you know he's such an iconic songwriter and front person and obviously from the most you know famous band of all time but everybody forgets how darn good of a bass player he is and and his bass lines are you know that they're such such iconic bass lines of all time and probably uh to keep it not to keep going on and on would be have to be in the top five is larry graham Larry Graham's the 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 gentleman that um, he was from Sly and the Family Stone. He had his own band called Graham Central Station. Larry's the one that invented the style, um, thumping and plucking. A lot of people call it slap bass, which I do not like that term. By the way, it sounds very unmusical to me, but it's right. it's a common thing. But uh, but Larry's the one that invented that style. So which is you know everybody from Flea to myself to a million bass players out there, you do that style that use that style. And, and he's the guy that, that invented that whole thing too, as well in a very cool way. So there's my top uh, four or five. Outstanding. Let me tell you who my favorite uh, bass player is. Freak bass. Ah, <laughs> number oh, yeah. one, man. That, 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 that hundred dollar bill is coming at you here in just a few minutes. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I, I was thinking about it, <sighs> you know, and, and McCartney was the guy that came to my mind actually. Um, and I know that everyone's expecting me to stay on brand and say uh, Stefan Lassard from Dave Matthews' band, but uh, oh gonna... <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, well, I love Stefan too, and he's 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 actually a, a friend too, so he's great 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 dude. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, I've been watching him since he was you know seventeen years old basically, um, uh, and uh, so but uh, that that's sort of my, my hashtag brand here. But no, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Freak Base. Uh, next question comes from Rich Thompson. Rich asks. 
in the Big 50, Cincinnati Reds, the minute moments that made the Cincinnati Reds. I like that book, by the way. Um, you've chronicled. Yeah. <laughs> you've chronicled I'm, I'm shameless. Listen, I'm shameless. No, no, that's all right. That's, that's what you got to do. <laughs> that's right. You've chronicled many marquee players in Reds history. Now, if you could build your all-time team from players who were in their prime while with the Reds for one game, who would be on it? Now, he has his list, and we may talk about that in a moment, but a lot of them are going to probably be similar to our list. So uh, an all-time team from players in their prime with the Reds for just one game. You had to have them. Uh, let's run through these because we'll probably agree on a lot of them. Catcher, okay. Catcher? I'm sure we're going to agree on this one. There's really only one one choice for this. Johnny Bench, right? Oh, well, I was going to say Dan Bilardello. <laughs> okay, I'll go with Bench, <laughs> okay. though. You're right, yeah. All right, all right, there you go. <laughs> First base, Rich uh, says Votto. Yeah. Yeah, bottom for me too as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially if you're putting together a team like we're probably going to be putting together here to have him play with those. But that lineup would just be to see what he could. Yeah, I mean, come on, you know, it'd be, it'd be pretty special. Yeah, it, it would. And, and I know some people uh, are going to say, "Well, Tony Perez is a Hall of Famer." Yeah, Tony Perez is a great player, but come on, Joey Votto, uh, one game, give me Joey Votto in his prime. Uh, second base, all, another easy one, right? Yeah, Joe Morgan, of course. Joe Morgan, uh, second base, easy. Third base. Um, I'm choosing uh, maybe a little controversial. I don't know, but I'm going to have to say you got to have him in there somewhere. In my my opinion is uh, is the mighty mighty um, the old hit king, Mr. Pete Rose. Yeah, you know, uh, Rich suggested Tony Perez there, which is a reasonable choice. Um, I might suggest Wayne Krinchicki, but uh, <laughs> I think probably I'm I'm going with you. Kind of need to slide him in there somewhere. Again, another guy. Whatever you think about him, uh, you know, he's he's one of the greats in this organization. Yeah. And and you could slide him in any number of positions, and I think that's probably the easiest place to put him in there. Uh, short. And if you're talking about if you're talking about them on and, and it's pro, like each one of these people in their prime yeah. too, with not only just his playing ability, but just in terms of his leadership ability, in terms of the team, you know what he would do in terms of getting inside the other players' heads and everything like that too. Is that's that's a guy you're going to want on your team for sure. Well, no question. And you know, uh, listen, we're talking about in, in his prime, he was the most valuable player. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so right. Uh, so you got to put him in there. Now, outfield, uh, let's go left field, center field, right field. Left field, uh, Rich suggests George Foster. Um, for one game like this, and this is this is my, my heart speaking a little more, I'm going to go with Adam Dunn. You know, I, th- I thought about Adam Dunn for the same reason that I was saying about Rose, not to compare Dunn to Rose, but in terms of like to have him on a team of these kind of, these many greats, just to see with that much protection around him, just for all he has to do, go out and hit home runs, which would, which is what he would do. It would be, um, you know, he could, yeah. he could cause some damage, you know, if you're down there too, as well. Yeah. George Foster's a, a good choice as well. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. And, you know, we're, we're, we're leaning towards more recent guys, uh, probably cause we weren't alive in the. Uh, earlier part of the century, but, uh, you know, you can make arguments for any of those. Centerfield. Uh, now, let, real quick, my left field actually was actually Eric Davis. Oh, you're going <clears> to <throat> put Eric Davis in left field? Yes, because my, ah. well, because my center fielder's got to be, we're talking prime now, would have to be Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, okay. Well, prime, point, right? Yeah. We're not talking Reds. We're not talking about when he was on the Reds. We're talking prime, right? Right, yeah. right, right. If you're talking about his, his all-time prime, it's got to be. Uh, right, Ken Griffey uh, Jr. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I like moving Davis because he did play left field. Uh, yeah, a lot. And I amount. even looked it up on baseball stats mm-hmm. in, in '90. Obviously, the year he played left field almost as much as he did center field that year. Yeah, and if you because when they moved Hatcher into center field, uh, they moved uh, Davis over to left, and that's where he got hurt when he right. started his kidney in the World Series. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking you were going to go something like uh, Ed Roush, the Hall of Fame center fielder from the 1919 Reds, but uh, uh, I was, I, he was he was up there, but yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Right field, right field. Dave Parker. Dave Parker. I'm, Again, we're talking prime. We're not talking when he was on the – although he was still pretty darn good when he was on the Reds, but, uh, but like, you're talking prime, right? Hey, yeah. I'll tell you who I'm going here, though. Frank Robinson. Oh, wow. You just – yeah, wow. Yeah, so, yeah. I think so. That, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a deal breaker right there. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Robinson – it's just a shame that people do kind of forget about – we all for, kind of forget about Robinson like he was an Oriole, not a Red, but he was so good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Starting pitcher? Uh, Jose Rio for me. Yeah, give me give me Rio, I think. Um, yeah, you know, you can make arguments for Yule Blackwell and, and a number of guys. Uh, Rich uh, Thompson here uh, suggests uh, Tom Seaver. You know, you can make an argument certainly there. Sure. I think you make an argument for Johnny Cueto. Um, yeah, of course. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you can make an argument for, uh, uh, you know, Tim Adelman probably, but let's go with, uh, let's go with Rio, uh, relievers. I like, I like what Rich uh, did with this. 
I, I just chose one for this. Like I didn't choose multiples and, and I'm going to say, and again, we're talking prime, which is the, the big, big key, but to ha- if you had that lineup that we're talking about right now, um, yours or mine, um, I'd love it to see uh, Chapman out there actually. Oh, yeah. Well, in terms of certainly probably the best closer, uh, in, yeah. in his prime in Reds history. Um, but, but I'm going to go with the, the nasty boys, all three. Randy, sure, Randy Myers, sure. Rob Dillon, and, and Norm Charlton. So anyway, that's a uh, that's a fun little exercise. Thanks for the question, Rich. That's always fun. Nathan Connor yeah. asks, and this has become a little bit of a, uh, a, a running gag uh, here on our, our questions from Patreon. And uh, this week, Nathan asks us, special uh, freak base edition of ball player or musician, Don- <laughs> okay. Donald Duck Dunn or Adam Dunn? Who do you take? Oh my gosh. What a great, great one. I mean, Don, you know, we were talking about the base, best bass players ever. I mean, Donald Duck Don was one of the ones him and him and James Jamerson are both kind of the, uh, cornerstones of, you know, solid and melodic groove playing and, uh, Booker T and the MGs, right? You Booker T and the MGs. You got it. Exactly. Yep. And obviously, and the blues brothers band too. Remember he was in that Ah, band too. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, which were almost all the stat, you know, that was, that was the stacks record label, which was kind of like Memphis's version of Motown, a little bit more edgier than Motown, obviously. But, uh, uh, so he was kind of from that camp too, as well. So, um, yeah, that's amazing too. And just, you know, like both him and Jamerson, they were, just uh, in terms of the consistency, just like just like Adam Dunn with his consistency of hitting 40 home runs every year. So there's there's some crossover there. I see how I kind of did that. I, I do see that. But who do you go? Who do you pick? You got to pick one. Oh my gosh, uh, I'm a base player, dude. I got to go with uh, I got to go with Donald Duck Dunn. You know, yeah. Well, go with what brought you here, you know. Well, and you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with Adam Dunn. So, uh, well, there you go. But, well, he's uh, he's he, you, you, he's the best uh, Twitter emoji ever that, that you happen true. to possess. That's yeah. true. He is my has my longtime Twitter emoji. Um, yeah. Nathan also asks, and I think we can kind of dispense with this one pretty quick. Although it's a good question, but uh, are there, Nathan asks, are there any players around the league that became Rule Five eligible Wednesday night that are of particular interest to you, given roster scarcity and the push to be competitive? I personally don't see this as a season where the team would carry a Rule Five player all year but maybe you see it differently no i I think this is a year where it's gonna have to be somebody really good to take a chance on carrying somebody on the roster all year because those roster spots are going to be valuable for a team that's really trying to make a push this year so i don't see it um yeah but then do you remember on the 1990 reds they had a rule five guys they kept there all year Uh, some people don't remember this they on the last world championship team tim leana the relief pitcher was a rule five guy and they had to keep him wow. all year, and uh, and was pretty good that year. So if we could get Tim Leona, the next Tim Leona, that'd be great. Wow, well, there you go. Um, Hooper Powell asks, um, but one question for me, one for you. He says, the first one is, uh, I don't really sure I understand your question, Hooper. Most prized possession, probably a book. I don't know what that means. Um, my most prized mm-hmm. possession is, um, I don't know, my... My, my, my microphone is that what a podcaster is supposed to say um, right, right. <laughs> for the musician of the group what's your favorite bass line in a song would tom sawyer be in your top five uh, tom sawyer would be definitely in my top 20 i don't know about top five that is definitely was that you know i was going to mention getty lee as one of the bait he was a huge i was a huge rush fan too as well as i'm i know i'm known as a a funk guy but i went through my major rush period too growing up um but probably favorite bass line um, if I had to choose one, um, I would have to say Papa was a Rolling Stone by the Temptations. Um, it's three notes. It's, that's the beauty of it. I just love it. It's just, you know, three notes that plays, you know, the, the uncut non-single version, 10 minutes long and the baseline doesn't change the entire time. And it's, a it's one of the most hooky and, and melodic, memorable baselines of all time, in my opinion, and one of the greatest songs of all time too, as well. I, I kind of love this. You know, you, you've been on this podcast a number of times, and we always go dig deep into the Reds, which we have today as well. But uh, because you're, you know, you're a huge Reds fan, but this is more uh, music talk than we've had before. I like it. It's uh, it's good. No, uh, all right, good. Uh, also, I got to tell you, you know, you mentioned your daughter uh, for last Christmas. Uh, bought my daughter a bass guitar. I mean, she'd been playing uh, acoustic electric. She'd been playing. She loves playing anything with strings. But uh, sure, she, she said she wanted to bass the guitar this year, so she'd been playing it. And now she's she and her little buddies have a little band, and uh, she, she's, she ended up being the bass player. So she will always have a. There's there's a funny music store joke. Uh, the ba- the bass player comes in for his or her first lesson to the music teacher, and the next week shows up and they don't show up for their lesson, and and the music teacher calls them up and like what. what 
where are you at? You're only your second lesson. Where are you at? She's, and she's like, I got a gig. That's so right. uh, yeah. when you're a bass player, you will always be able to work. So tell her she, uh, she made the right career choice. She's yeah. been, I don't know that it's a career choice, but uh, she uh, she oh. loves guitar. And she played playing guitar forever, and she's written a bunch of songs. But uh, it, she it was never in a band until she uh, started playing the bass. So it's, you may, there may be something to that. Well, there you go. See? Yeah. yeah. So uh, last question for viewer mail. Uh, Joe Farsing asks, Freddie Galvis and JVM, I'm going to assume he means Josh Van Meter, not Johnny Vandermeer. Fred, Freddie Galvis and JVM for Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Who says no? <laughs> My, I, I mentioned to you this off air. It seems like Mike <laughs> Trout always makes makes his way onto your show some and some kind of trade or trade possibility. I'll let you answer that one, yeah, Chad. Another another dumb <laughs> running gag that I inexplicably love every single time. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the Reds probably say no to that. How are you going to give up Josh Van Meter? That left hand yeah, swing, right. it's gorgeous. Yeah. So. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, last viewer mail question. This one came from Twitter. I actually got one more. Um, hash Brown viewer mail. Craig at Craig54771493. Okay. Why is everyone mad that the Reds couldn't afford Grandall when everyone knows they are trading for Mookie Betts and signing Anthony Rendon? See, that's the voice of reason. I like it. Bring it you on. Know. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm just talking myself into this, but I really think there's a not insignificant chance that the Reds pull a deal like one for, for Mookie Betts. I really, it's kind of the sense I'm getting, and again, it may just be me in my head trying to convince myself that things are going to be good finally for, for the first time ever, but I could really see that happening, and uh, hey, that'd be fun, right? Yeah, and I think I, I think you guys were talking about it. Um, it was maybe you and Doug in a show or two ago, but... Um... When winning starts, you know, if they do, you know, everybody's like, okay, well, you're going to put, you know, give away all your prospects and then, you know, to get this person or give away all your money to get this this person. I think winning and we see it and on all team in baseball, once that winning kind of streak kind of hits in, on a team, uh, you, even if you you lose this one particular player the following year or whatever, that the, the culture just kind of changes. And there's at least for a few years that that winning culture kind of carries on over a few years so i think just if they would you know yeah of course 2020 we want to we want to win world series like we do every year but uh i think if they did do a big splash like that and even if it is for a short term whether it is just for this season or two seasons or whatever i think that's going to that's going to bleed over into you know other things you know into the future like down the line and it seems like they really the front office kind of has that kind of um it just feels like you know both Dick Williams and Nick Crawl both kind of have that that kind of sense sense you know the way you you know going all the way to them investing in the coaches I know they they just they they got rid of the the hitting coach this year but they they tried and obviously with the pitching thing leading all the way down to the minor leagues all the way up it feels the culture to me just feels different I think yeah we brought some kind of big name players in last year too as well which which got everybody excited which was part of it but it feels just like the it's uh, the overall culture i think that's kind of why i think a big reason why this attendance has been going up people are sensing feeling that the organization feels a little bit different now and we're kind of looking forward in a different way that we have it before yeah hopefully they've hit that inflection point where it's coming back around and uh and you're you know again don't don't uh, mortgage the future. Don't sell all your pro- whatever. You know, uh, I want to win. Okay, uh, those right. they're they're either assets in that they're going to help us on the on the on the field. Which uh, how long has it been since we had any kind of contribution from anyone coming from the minor leagues, uh, other than you know Nick Senzel this past year? It's not like we have a bunch of guys coming through the organization. So so they can help us either by on the field someday maybe, or they can help us by being an asset that we can trade for somebody that's going to help us on the field. So yeah, just I wanted to ask you a quick quick question, a quick Twitter question for myself. We'll, we'll just pretend I wrote it to you on t- Twitter. Um, what do you think um, if you had like looking at our whole lineup, especially our starting starting eight lineup of every and I'm, i can't wait to hear what your answer is what of everybody that's currently that's probably going to be the starter for next season like i know there's a couple unknowns because we don't know who we're going to trade but like the, the ones we know who do you think is the um what's the word i'm looking for the the the, the give me that they're going to have at least a good of a season they did last year and or better season like who's who, who can you like if you had to put your money on one one player on our current roster you're like oh i know this person either one hasn't peaked out or he's going to do just as good as much as he did last year which which player would that be on okay. the current reds lineup it, it, framing it that way i think the absolute lead pipe cinch lock of the year is that um nixon zell is going to be 
much better than he was last year. I think it's a 100, presuming he's healthy, which is a big presumption, but I think sure. that that to me is the, it's a, it's an absolute guarantee. He's, he fooled his uh, stance a little bit uh, last year. And, and I'm told that he's back to his, uh, he's going back to his old stance and, um, which he was successful with and you know he has a most of a year under his belt in the big league so he's you know he's kind of a veteran now i think he's an absolute guarantee uh to be to be much better than he was last year and, and that helps that helps the reds offense who would you say got it uh mine actually is suarez yeah yeah i, I still i still don't think he's peaked yet i still think he's He's still got more to show us, and every year you and I were talking about him a couple. I think you know maybe one of the first times I was on here two or three years ago, and we, you know he was kind of under the radar then a little bit, and it just seems like every year he's not just making tiny steps; he's kind of making these yeah. big, big steps, you know. And and he's his consistency; he's about as consistent as you can get. And uh, he's the one. If I had to put my money on this year, he would be the one I would definitely put it on. I mean, Senzel too. And I see all the points on that because he, obviously he has a high ceiling to go to as well, but I think Suarez is, I don't still think he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. Yeah. You know, I think there's a possibility he has reached his ceiling, but we may see that that kind of a year for the next two, three years. I mean, right. Or, or that, right. 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 Yeah. right. Or that, right. At least where he was last year for sure. Yeah. 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 I, yeah I don't think it's a, uh, a lot of people are going to say he's going to regress. I know. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, he's no, no. Um, boy, I love that guy too. Isn't he, isn't he fun to watch? Oh, he's the best, best signing they've had. I mean, he's just so good for the team. There's so many, so many reasons. It's yeah. such a, seems like I've, I haven't met him. I don't know if you have, but he seems like a really, really genuine, good, good guy too, as well. Yeah. Just a, just a joy. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, uh, now we got to get to the most important conversation here before we put wraps on this thing. We're getting close <laughs> to the end and, and, uh, to give some context here, uh, over the, over the years, uh, Freak Base and I've had a little bit of a, uh, back and forth about comic book movies and because I, you know, I, I watch all the comic book movies, but I don't really love very many of them at all. Um, sure. I enjoy, I enjoy them and I've literally see every one that comes out, uh, you know, for a while is because my son wanted to see all of them and, and, but mostly it's cause I, you know, they're fun. Um, and so we've not always agreed on, uh, what was, what was great and what wasn't. Um, but then Joker came out and, uh, I think we absolutely agree on that. Right. You were, you were blown away by Joker. So much so. I mean, talking about a lock in terms of what what person's going to do, I'd be, I would be shocked if if he doesn't get if Joaquin Phoenix doesn't get nominated, and I won't be surprised at all if he doesn't win for best actor this year too as well. I mean, his performance is just so amazing, and the way that they, in a, such a cool, tasteful way, tied it into the Batman mythos um, was great. Like they didn't beat you over the head with it, but at the same time, though. I thought, you know, from what I was hearing about it before I actually saw it, I thought they were going to go almost so much the opposite direction where it was like Joker name only. Like they were going to really, with the exception of Yeas and Gotham, and that's about it. But but they still, I really paid, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers out on your show, but they did really pay homage to the whole uh, the whole story of Batman and the way that Joker kind of ties into it, but just in such a unique an incredible way and not with no CGI. Like as much as I love superhero movies, I am not a fan of, of CGI most of the time, just because it just, no matter how great it is and how much money they spend on it, it still always looks two dimensional to me, no matter how good it is with the exception of maybe Thanos from, um, from, uh, end game, which was, I thought was, that was a pretty amazing feat, but generally I'm not a, even, even the big budget Marvel movies, most of the time, I, that's one, I like the storylines a lot, but, but a lot of the uh, special effects I'm not crazy about. Um, but yeah, this one just, it just knocked me out. And, and there was, there was a, Hollywood Reporter yesterday, which is usually pretty, it's not too bloggy. I mean, it's usually pretty accurate. There's a rumor that they're actually going to um, do a sequel. And of course, you know, my my artsy movie side at first, I was like, no, don't do a sequel, you ruin it. But then part of me is like, you know, with the movie like that, you know, Godfather 2 wasn't too shabby, you know, so, um, so you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but um, there, there are some some people that are saying that rumors. But yeah, I just loved it so much. I you know, I'm from the even though I am a superhero guy, I'm from the Christopher Nolan side, of, you know, Dark Knight, um, uh, you know, the early Tim Burton movies of Batman. I, I still like more of the semi-realistic semi-dark side of stuff and of course joker does this about as you know takes that to the 10th degree too as well so so you did like it then i, I take it then yeah i mean this was a comic book movie but but this was not a comic book movie this was a this was just a this was a movie 
I mean, it yes. was, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I rate all my movies on a five star scale. It's the only movie I think uh, in 2019 that I've seen so far that I gave uh, that I've given five stars to. Um, wow. And uh, there's a couple still out there that I want to see that I haven't seen yet. But uh, uh, yeah, Phoenix was incredible uh, in terms of a sequel. Yeah. My, my first thought is no, no. But yeah, on the other hand, I, I wouldn't mind spending a little bit more time in this world because it wasn't a. Uh, you know, it wasn't. I mean, I, I expect uh, Thanos to get nominated for Best Actor too, but uh, there, <laughs> right. there, there are no Thanoses in in this one, and, and, and there's no, no. You know, flying around. And, and it's a Batman story, but it's not a Batman story. You know, I mean, right. it's clearly a Batman story in terms of, like you said, they they set it in that universe and and uh, gave those nods to it, um, but. Uh, it, it's it's just it's just a story about a guy that's uh, that's struggling and here's how he gets where he where, where he went and the reason I, I loved it a lot a lot of people thought this was a little bit too much of uh, beating us over the head but uh, Todd Phillips directed the movie and clearly right. it was an homage to uh, Martin Scorsese one of my favorite directors obviously one of everyone's favorite directors uh, Taxi Driver De Niro and De Niro actually shows up in in Joker but. Uh, uh, well, and king and king of comedy, of course, too, and, as well. And king of comedy, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so you can, yeah, yeah you can see uh, those influences from Scorsese uh, in that. Now, my question for you uh, before we finish here, this is a question that my son has asked me a couple times because uh, I think he's struggling with the uh, the answer to this when he goes back and forth. Joaquin Phoenix, the best uh, best Joker portrayal ever. Oh, that's such a tough one, obviously, you know, because when you bring Heath Ledger into the equation, it it, it makes it super tough because somebody that already has won the Oscar for right. playing the part of Joker, which would be wild if you get if he does win the Oscar for you're going to have two people playing the same role, you know, at winning that, too, as well. I saw I, I won't say that, but I will say something that I thought was kind of interesting. Somebody somebody said that Jack, what was it? Heath Ledger's version of joker made jack nicholson's version of joker look like caesar romero's version of joker joaquin phoenix's version of joker makes heath ledger's version look like jack nicholson's version of joker i don't know if that makes sense but it's uh yeah so that's kind of where i'm at on that you know i mean i loved and i love nicholson's version and i love i love caesar romero's version of joker too i mean he's you know pretty twisted in his own little way too as well the other last thing to think about with joker if they do make a sequel it'll be the first time ever in the cinematic world that joker will be in two the same actor will be playing the same role of joker in the two movies you know they were originally of course going to try it with heath ledger um in the third batman movie but obviously things didn't turn out that way but um so yeah so that's a little interesting little side note too as well so well the only uh sort of unfortunate point uh, that i would make regarding that little bit of trivia is that it's a real shame that we couldn't get a second performance uh, of uh, Jared Leto as uh, as Joker. Oh yeah, we just kind of forget about him, don't we? Yeah, so, yeah. Suicide Squad, was, yikes! Yeah, that was that was a rough one. I mean, I mean, there was a couple little. I know you probably just hated it all, like right no. from the beginning. But um, I like Harley Quinn. Yeah, she's well. Yeah, Margot Robbie's <laughs> oh. a, is a pretty talented actress. Well, what do you think of um, this real quickly? And we won't go to this rabbit hole. But what what's your opinion of? Um, uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. Uh, okay. Uh, I think Ben Affleck is a very good Batman. There has been, I yeah. guess he's not Batman anymore. Um, I'm right, just, right, right, right. But, uh, I think he's fantastic. I just think he suffers from the fact that a lot of these DC movies have been garbage. Uh, but, right. But right. I think he's fine as Batman. I, I, I like him. Yeah. You know, I think he can pull off Bruce Wayne side of it. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I think he's probably underrated, because he comes after Christian Bale, who everyone, uh, you know, just uh, went crazy about. Um, so I think he's probably underrated as a Batman. I like him. And I think Robert Pattinson will do a good job as Batman. But I'm not really, yeah, I'm not that invested, I guess. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I think, well, I, it's kind of what you said, too, as well. Now, I know you and I are differ on this. I, I was a big fan of Batman versus Superman, especially the Ultimate Edition, which was almost a whole other movie from the theatrical release. Uh, Justice League was 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 just awful and a travesty that that, that movie happened the way it did. Um, there's yeah, be a whole other podcast explaining all, all the things that went wrong with that movie. But, um, but uh, physically... And acting wise, just I mean, when you think of Batman in the comics, I mean, Ben Affleck to me looks like in my head, like if there was a real Bruce Wayne and there was a Batman, I mean, dude's like six foot, almost six yeah, five. And, you, it, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, he looks like like physically the part, too, as well. But I am super excited about the um, 
upcoming uh, The Batman, which is being directed by Matt Reeves. You've got Jeffrey Wright, who I'm a huge fan of. You know, I don't, he's from Westworld playing Commissioner Gordon. Zoe Kravitz playing uh, Catwoman. Obviously, Robert Pattinson playing um, Batman. So I think that's going to be um, a really – I'm sure it's going to be more in the – the Christopher Nolan side of, uh, of, of the universe with, with the Batman thing. So that, I'm really looking forward to that a lot. Cause, uh, uh, cause everybody thinks of Pattinson, obviously from twilight, but if he's been in some really amazing movies since then too, as well, like some more art house type movies. Oh yeah. He was in that last, uh, Safdie brothers movie. That was, uh, I can't remember the name of it now. Good night, I think, uh, which was crazy good. Um, yep. so anyway, uh, love talking, uh, to people that are passionate about things. And so you and I are one of these, we're just gonna have to do a full podcast about nothing, but letting you teach me about comic book movies. I'm ready. And you can teach me about all, all the other movies too, as well. <laughs> there you I'm go. down. Yeah, Maybe we'll do that. All right. Uh, freak base again, November 29th, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Southgate house revival. Um, I hope I hope uh, that uh, we can sell the place out, and uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, you coming on again. We really probably ought to do this more often because I really just get a kick out of uh, out of talking Reds with you, man. Maybe if they do that big, we'll, we'll do an emergency if they do the DDD Gregorius, or I'll do a call in or something like that if that trade happens, or, or a big one like you. But the Mookie Betts trade, then then they'll have to figure yeah. out a way to jump on or something. Yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah, figure yeah. out a way to get that done. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Uh, this All right. Is, this is Red Leg Nation Radio. You know how to subscribe everywhere you find your podcast. We're there. You can support us patreon.com slash Red Leg Radio if you want. You can find us at Red Leg. Uh, radio on twitter he's at freak base f-r-e-e-k-b-a-s-s on twitter i'm at dotson c um if you like us talk about us tell your friends uh, get those subscriber numbers up we appreciate how much you guys are supporting us even through uh, the off season here the numbers have stayed steady because we just got the, uh, the greatest group of group of fans so uh for freak base and stefan lassard this is chad dotson <laughs> saying so long everyone Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.